I'm back, and this is hour two of Ariva Martin in real time. And in this hour, we are talking about Brickgate. And again, that's the incident where a black woman went on social media and said she was hit the head by a brick that was thrown at her by a black man. And the internet internet erupted with black men uh, really trashing this black woman for making that statement. And then you had, you know, arguments on both sides. But Brickgate points to a familiar pattern of backlash heralded at Black women, uh, particularly when they publicly denounce harm from Black men. And while Brickgate appeared to be an isolated act of violence, the back and forth from detractors and supporters of Rhoda Osman represents long simmering tensions between Black women and men that now get played out on social media pretty much on the regular. And some say the source of this continuing tension uh, is unaddressed anguish from both Black men who deal with rigid views of masculinity and Black women who feel neglected in light of demeaning stereotypes associated with them. Uh, so to help us understand Brickgate and some of these larger issues, particularly this long simmering tension between Black women and Black men, I have two of the nation's leading experts on this topic joining me in this hour, Dr. Diane Stewart. She is a professor. She actually teaches a class on Black love, and she's also the author of a very compelling book, Black Women, Black Love. And Dr. Ish Major is here. He's a board-certified psychiatrist, relationship, and life coach. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Stewart. Always a pleasure to see you, and good to see you, Dr. Ish. has been a minute. I'm doing well. All right, let's start this brick gate. You know, the story is bizarre. Lots of folks didn't believe that this woman was hit in the head uh, by a brick. But more importantly, just the back and forth online, the the, the vitriol uh, that was exchanged between Black men and Black women. I'll start with you, Dr. Ish. What's going on in, in the relationships between Black men and Black women? You know, Ariva, I, I wish I could tell you I was having a talk with a friend of mine earlier today, and I specifically said, I no longer understand what is going on, right? Because a lot is happening. And this story breaks my heart. I mean, it really does. But I always, you know, one of my jobs as a psychiatrist is to show up and help people tell the truth about any given situation, right? And so what, what we need here, what we don't have here is a shared reality. So how do we get that? Well, let's try to reframe it, right? Let's not use brick gate, right? Brick gate is barbaric. It is actually traumatizing in the images that it invokes in your head. So maybe let's reframe it and let's call it what it is. Let's call it people of color feeling powerless to protect themselves and therefore each other gate. Okay. Okay. Right. A little longer, but that's all right. right? Let's call it a lack of self-love gate. Let's Mm. call it a lack of personal integrity gate. Let's call it lack of empathy gate. That's what we're seeing. Right. Um, so if we can if we can look at it from that point of view, then maybe it starts to make sense. Right. There's the lack of empathy we have towards one another is alarming. And that's what we saw here. Well, let me ask you this, Dr. Uh, Ish. Experts say that this is the result of unaddressed anguish uh, from both black men who deal with rigid views of masculinity. And then I'll talk about what they say about black women, but let's stop there. Do you believe that this is related to unaddressed anguish 
uh, and black men who deal with rigid views of masculinity. Yes, and right, and it's not—it's not a rigid view of masculinity. It's a narrow view of masculinity. We don't know what it is, right? If you ask ten different young men what it means to be a man, they'll give you ten different answers. Every one of those answers will have something about being able to have a baby in it, right? Hmm. If you ask a deeper question, okay, uh, they'll say protect, protect. Okay, got it. Provide. Okay, got it. Now take it one level deep. And how do you plan to execute that? And now you're going to hear crickets, right? So what we see happening is our young Black people traditionally have a very conservative view of gender roles, right? When it comes to masculinity and femininity. And judging from our music and from some of our tastes and things like that, you would think that's not true. But it, but it really is. And for the next, for the last couple of generations, we've had generation and generation of young men who've had their masculinity defined by women. 70% of our households are run by single women. They own the homes and they make the decisions. So they're defining that masculinity. So our young men are looking to women to define their masculinity for them. And that does cause a certain level of anger and, and resentment for sure. Well, Dr. Stewart, if, if what Dr. Ish is saying is true, is that when you ask young men what it means to be a man, you're going to hear you know 10 different answers. But one of the central themes that you will hear is about protection or protecting, presumably, you know, their partner, their spouse, their woman. Why in the case of gate, well, you know, we're going to leave that brick out. But, but why in this instance, didn't we see the black men who... Uh, Miss Osmond said, watched on. Why didn't they protect her? And I think you're on mute, uh, Dr. Stewart. And I know you don't know the answer to that, like literally, because you haven't had a chance to meet these men or interview them. But but I'm just wondering if protection is such a part of what defines most men. We didn't see that in the case of the men that were there when she was, you know, hit with this object. And online, we didn't see, uh, you know, the majority of Black men, you know, jumping into protection mode. Right. Well, one of the things we have to contend with is that there is a lot of not just sexism and patriarchy pervading our cultures. And what I mean by that are religious cultures, our family cultures, the educational system that socializes us. Um, so it's not just Black women providing a definition of masculinity for Black men. It is the wider culture also doing that. And one of the things that we have to contend with, which is really difficult for a lot of us, is that misogyny, the hatred of women, anger toward women, and in this case, black women is. Well, let me ask you this, Dr. So are black men angry based on what Dr. Ish said? They're angry because they're growing up in female headed households. Are they mad at women because there are no fathers or no male figures around? What, what are they angry? I mean, we're all angry about something. But what are these black men angry about in particular? I think that can play a role. It's usually the parent who who is present that gets all the that that gets all the rage, right? It's the the absent parent often doesn't get it, doesn't feel it. It's the parent who's present that does. So that could very well be part of it. But there there is in our culture also a general disrespect for black women that a number of men embrace. I'm not saying all black men, 
But we do see that. And I hear it in public domains and public spaces. It is there and it's real. I, I often also am experiencing a kind of um, um, anger about Black feminist politics or womanist mm. politics from Black men. They immediately want to begin to talk about their harms, the way Black women have harmed them, the way I spent the entire weekend in a conversation on Twitter with about 12 people just because of this article on Brookgate. And what I refused to do was to dissolve into vitriol. And I think because I refused to do that and tried to be empathetic to the Black men in the conversation, it was elevated. I mean, so two people who started out really angry at each other ended up, you know, really sympathizing with one another. And so what that makes me think is that we, we need space healthy space to truly air these differences. One of the things I was hearing from Black men is that it's, it's, it was a feeling of powerlessness. Mm -hmm. that, that the patriarchal white American infrastructure doesn't give them anywhere to go. Um, to 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 have power to be able to organize their lives in ways that they want to as men. And then we also have the narrative of the Black female castrator, which comes straight out of the Moynihan Report from 1965. And, you know, there are light versions of it. Well, Black women um, make much more money um, than Black men. Black women have much higher positions, are much more elevated in the corporate arena than Black men. Well, it might depend on which statistics you're looking at. Because black women across the board still make less money than black men. So, but these but these stats are out there, and black men are generating them and circulating them. And what that says to me is that they feel powerless and unheard. You know, I, I and I, I read something where a black man said, How many people ask a black woman to be quiet about her pain, about her suffering? No, not even a black woman. They were just saying a woman. When a woman talks about having been abused or attacked, everyone listens. Um, but when a man talks about it, no one does. And I do think there's a way that we miss each other in these conversations. And we 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 are not in many respects trained to understand and to empathize with black male pain. Many of us in this society are not. It doesn't mean that the way many of them are treating black women is okay, but there is something else there that we're often not paying attention to. So Dr. Ish, is that what you hear from black men? Are they angry at black women? Uh, you know, you already talked about them growing up in households that are 70% led by women, but what about this black feminism uh, you know, policy or, or, or positions that uh, Dr. Stewart talked about. And then just this overall sense of, you know, the patriarchy, the white cisgender patriarchy not working out for them. Are they blaming Black women for that? Yeah, it's, it's so many yes ands in what Doc just said, right? It's yes and, yes, yes and, yes and. We're taking fire from everywhere. But Ariva, I'm going I'm to tell you like the young boys say in the street, right? I'm going to keep it a buck. We're going to keep it a stack today, right? Okay. Here's what is here's what is happening. We know that for the last 40 years, black women have been graduating from college at a much higher rate than black men. College and high school. We know for the last 40 years, black women have been participating in home ownership at a much higher rate than black men. We know this. We also know that because of tradition, 
Black women are shamed when they date anybody who hasn't had the same level of success. You can't date a guy who doesn't have a college degree and you have one. You can't date a guy who don't have a car and you have one. We're going to talk about that. You can't date a guy who's living with his mama and you paying a mortgage. We got to talk about that. So guess what? They got a whole, they got a whole, women have a whole generation of men who they can't date, who are undateable, unmateable. And the way I receive that is, oh, you're telling me I'm unlovable. And mm -hmm. now I'm mad. And now I have some rage. And now I have no empathy and no love for you because I'm assuming you don't have that for me. And that's what and that's what we're seeing. That's a big part of what we're seeing. The most dangerous man on this planet in America is a young, sexless male. And that's what our boys are going through right now. Sexless meaning what? Like sexless meaning they're walking around feeling unlovable, right? There's oh. no intimacy. There's no intimacy. Okay. No, Nobody physical, will give them any physical sex. Physical, sex. physical <laughs> sex as well, but there's there's where, where, do, where do, where's my safe space? Where do I go? Right? Mm. Mom's at home and she's stressed out. She's doing the best she can. I don't want to burden her with my problems. I'm sure she listened, but I'm trying to be a good guy. What are you going to say? But what about, but wait a minute, what about what the white cisgender male patriarchy does to black women? Why isn't the reaction to that patriarchy not attack the black women, but come together in solidarity to fight the white cisgender male patriarchy? Because we suffer under it as well, Dr. Ish. So, you know, when there's conflict, there doesn't have to be division. Conflict can breed togetherness. Mm, well, you're talking like somebody smart. <laughs> that's not, that's not, but emotions make us dumb, right? And we engage in the battles. I that got that from my husband. That's <laughs> he gives me that lecture when we have a fight. So, <laughs> right? We, we engage in the battles that we think we can win, right? And it's hard to fight the invisible nebulous enemy out there. But if you're the person standing in front of me, I can fight that battle. And I might be able to feel good if I can win that, even if it makes, even if it means I have to help you feel less than, right? And, and, and we know what you're saying is right, because let's think about our Alabama boat gate, right? Okay, yep. Black people stood up and yes, we cheered, even though it was violent, even though some of the violence was inappropriate, misdirected, but black people stood up and cheered to a man and woman. Why? Because it was one of the few times in our history where we stood up for one another. Mm -hmm. They love that plastic chair. <laughs> oh my God, the plastic chair, right? It's going to be in the next black national anthem, whatever it is, right? Because we, for, for one of the few times we can remember, we all stood up for one another and we didn't put conditions on what we needed to have in order for me to protect you, right? When all right, well, well, wait a minute, right? let me hold that thought. So both Dr. Ish and Dr. Stewart have laid out very eloquently what the issues are. When we come forward, we gotta talk about what the solutions are because we can't just coexist in this state of simmering tensions. We've gotta figure out somehow to get past that and how do we come together? Uh, I wanna hear from these experts on what their advice is for black men and black women when we come forward. KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. We are back and in this hour, we're talking about relationships between black men and black women. And this conversation was really uh, 
you know, I was incentivized to have this conversation by the uh, online posting by Rhoda Osmond that she had been hit in the face with a brick by a black man and the responses that she received online, uh, lots of black men attacking her, saying that she made the story up, that it wasn't true, uh, attacking her appearance. She said even some people started calling her son school, threatening to rape her son, do physical violence to her. She says she has suffered from anxiety and, you know, other emotional injuries as a result of the vitriol that uh, has come as a result of her posting that original video. Uh, Dr. Ish uh, Major uh, Ish Major is joining me as well as Dr. Diane Stewart. Uh, let me ask you this, uh, Dr. Stewart. The uh, subject of Brigade, Rhoda Osmond said, this is all about Black male fragility. Now, I know that probably got him really upset. <laughs> what do you think about her saying that basically black men are jealous that she's an educated, uh, you know, successful woman, and these black men are just hating on her because she is that. Well, it's hard to know in in this circumstance, <laughs> but but in general, I think Dr. Ish talked about some of this. Um, I there is in some respects a competitive nature to some of these conversations. Black women get this, we don't get that. Black women have this, we don't have that. I do hear that. And so I do think that something about what some Black men are perceiving as a maldistribution of whatever crumbs the Black community is getting um, disproportionately impacting Black women more positively um, so that they can be caretakers of their families in ways that we cannot be, could be a part of the problem. But more than anything, um, Ariva, I really think we need proper venues, appropriate venues to talk to one another, to really air these issues with appropriate help. Like we do need therapists in the room. We do need people who can help us move. I think what Dr. Ish said, our emotions make us stupid, help us move to intelligence, even as we don't ignore our emotions. Um, because they they are a part of what's in our entire phenomenological field of experiences. And so how do we talk to one another with empathy? We don't have that for one another anymore. Um, and so that's what I'm concerned about. How do we create the environments where we can truly move in our conversations toward one another, um, with one another, with empathy for one another? Um, well, that's really my question. It seems like it's social media. It seems like it's- Well, I was going to say, Dr. Ish, I don't think it is social media because social media, uh, folks get to be anonymous and we see oh, yeah. on social media people- really uh, cut up. I'll, I'll, I'll use that. Yeah, like I don't want it to be social media. It just seems like that's what it is becoming. So one of my questions is, can we do something better in social media or do we need to make a switch? And how do we do that? It just seems like social media is where we are. And what do we do about that? What are you thinking about that, Dr. Richards? We think about healing, moving right. forward, having right. conversations where we get to understand each other. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. So, Doctor Stewart's right, right? We we've got a. It's a tool, so we just got to figure out how to use it better. Um, what it what it has been doing over the last ten to 15, 20 years or so is it's created a generation of young men who don't know how to handle rejection well, right? Because 
I can slide in your DMs. I can double tap all day long. And if you mm-hmm. don't reply or you blow me off, then fine. I just swipe on down the page. I just keep on swiping. I find somebody, right? I can handle that all day long. But when I see you walking down the street and I muster the courage to say, hi, hello, I am Ish, who are you? And that blows me off. Now that's in person. That's a real rejection. That's a real hurt. That's a real ha- uh, That's a real pain. And we don't know where to put that, right? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. You know, Kevin Samuels. May he may he rest in peace. He gave voice to black male grievance, right? He did that. He knew that there was a generation of men who were angry, who were bitter, who felt like they were being treated unfairly, and who feel like the dating world is not fair because they have it all. And we're struggling, right? And, and we are over here fighting each other for those crumbs and those morsels out there, right? But the other thing he did that wasn't so great was he also he also injected this, he created a conditional love algorithm about how we have to engage with one another and interact in one another, a value-based system. And now we've got these weird criteria in our head about what it is to be a high value man and a high value woman. And we all judge each other. Wait a minute, you you just complimented the late Kevin Samuelson for giving voice to black grievance. But for many of us, he was the, you know, misogynist, you know, extraordinaire. His you you're you're not wrong, <laughs> right? But because two things can be true, he knew there was a conversation that needed to be had. Doctor Stewart just said it in a much more eloquent way. How do we hold the space for our young men to talk about the thing that's hurting? But you you hold the space for the men at the same time that you malign women. So I, I don't know if that's the positive. If that's the He's, way he helped forward. us. He helped us start the conversation. Right now, it's up to us. To, to do to put up to raise our level of emotional intelligence right and know that we don't have to denigrate one another in order to feel in order to feel vulnerable and share our pain so right but by definition that conversation about high value women by definition that was denigrating women so everything about what he said I, I guess I just have to disagree with you in terms of what he we're, did I don't think we're he saying we're saying the we're discourse. saying the same thing who else was talking about it before Kevin Samuels? Who else took it to this level, this widespread of a conversation before him? So what I'm saying is we can pretend like they don't have those feelings. We can pretend like it's not happening. And there will be women like Rhoda who continue to show up and get hit in the face with a brick when they reject somebody. So we've got to have the conversation. We can't. We got to be courageous about that. Kevin did it in a very misogynistic way. Right. And that and that cannot be denied creating this framework, this algorithm of who has value and who has and who doesn't and how we rank them and all those things, right? He made it okay for us to judge one another. And here's the truth about judgment. I'm going to judge you where I feel the weakest, right? So it, right, it just I, I created a toxic saying, environment. We gotta, we've got to create a safe space to have that conversation. Kevin's space was extraordinarily toxic and, toxic. and diminishing. Toxic. And, we all, and we all understand that. Right. Okay. So let's talk about what a safe space would look like, because when Mm -hmm. I think about social media, it's the furthest thing from a safe space. I'm thinking about, you know, Meg uh, DeStallion and Tony Lanes and 
you know, how she was attacked for coming forward, just acknowledging that she had been shot, the most violent act you can imagine. And we right. know that black women are overwhelmingly the victims of, you know, intimate partner violence. Right. We know that black women are oftentimes not believed when they are the subjects of, of violence. And when we come forward and talk about that violence, particularly if the violence is by a black man, we are maligned by black men who somehow feel like they should get a pass uh, when they violate us, that somehow we are, you know, violating the black code if we report a black man for violence that he's done against us. So I, I guess the question I'm still asking, and we're, we're talking about it on the other side, is where is that safe space? How do we create it? Because everybody ain't going to therapy. We know that. Uh, and like I said, I, I'm not convinced that social media is the uh, appropriate outlet for this kind of conversation because it's not mediated. We don't have experts like Dr. Ish and Dr. Stewart that's there to help guide these conversations. And so-called relationship experts like the, the, the fellow that's dead, I think do more harm than good for these conversations. Uh, we'll talk about this and more on the other side. KBLA Talk 1580. All right, things are getting heated on uh, Reba Martin in real time in the second hour with Dr. Diane Stewart and Dr. Ish Major as we try to figure out a pathway forward for Black women and Black men to hear each other, to hold space for each other, to start talking about what some of these deep-rooted issues are that cause us to have you know, tension. And I don't know, we haven't come up with what I think is the uh, best place and space to do that. And maybe there is no silver bullet. Maybe there is no like, perfect answer, Dr. Stewart, to this question, because obviously, if there was the perfect answer, maybe you know, brilliant minds like you and Dr. Ish would have already figured it out. So where do we go from here? Um, yeah, you know, um, I was just thinking about Dr. Ish's point that we have to learn how to use it. And I'm thinking about, I know you said everyone's not going to go to therapy, but I'm thinking about Dr. Joy's Therapy for Black Girls, for example, which she, you know, she does do a podcast and she reaches extensive audiences. Um and to be honest with you, there are spaces on Clubhouse that have been very, very powerful and very positive. I'm on there. I am in conversations and people set the rules of the house. People, people, I, I have been in rooms where people are truly being educated. Um, mm -hmm. I have brought my colleagues to some of these rooms. Um People And it's not all other intellectuals in the rooms. Some of the people in the rooms are ordinary Black women and men. And I am just fascinated by that. So I, I don't think we should let go of the idea of finding ways to use social media. But we can't address the problem through little sound bites. That's one thing we know. And, and, and I just do want to say one thing about the Kevin Samuel thing, because that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, um, Black Women, Black Love, America's War on African-American Marriage, because another danger of what happened with Samuel and a number of other um, so-called experts out there on, on Black women and how they should um, pr proceed to um, to attract a Black man and a, and, um, a permanent relationship, um, a relationship that would be long-lasting and enduring. Another issue is the way we have... Um, placed or relocated love within the neoliberal market so that even love is for sale. Mm 
And that was a real problem for me. And some of the 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 um, the messaging I heard coming from Kevin Samuels, and there are others like that. Um, and so we need um, healthy, um, respectful spaces to be able to talk through some of this. You know, I do think that we have to find ways to use different platforms to our advantage, but I also think we need another strategy. I keep asking, where are my Black feminist, womanist men? And or if they don't want to call themselves that, where are the Black men who understand? Well, wait a minute. Let's ask Dr. Ish. Yeah. He's a man. Where are they? Dr. Ish, where, where are the Black feminist men? We need them on the front lines because no one listens to Black women in this culture. Nobody listens to us. Nobody is trained to let, listen. Let him to ask. Let, let him answer that question. We want to know, uh, Doctor Ish. This isn't a theoretical question. Actual question. Where are they? We're we're here, but we are far outnumbered, right? Mm. Um, and the black feminist men are what we would categorize as as nice guys, and nice guys' voices aren't as loud and as proud as the other guys, right? I want to I want to pick up on something Doctor Stewart said. You know, I. I grew up with five sisters and eight aunts, you know, that's a, so I love my black intelligent women. Uh, Dr. Stewart is very eloquent and she's very politically correct when she talks about the so-called experts who have an audience. See, I ain't, I ain't that intelligent <laughs> and I'm not that respectful and politically correct. If you show up and you're listening to clowns about your life, you can't be surprised when your life turns into a circus, right? They are not so-called experts. They are clowns giving you advice who have no reason to give you advice. If somebody had a heart you attack- You have no reason to follow it. <laughs> right, it's, right. So the, so, the, so, the, so the thinking is, because you've been through something in life that qualifies you to teach it? No, if you've had a heart attack, that doesn't qualify you to do heart surgery. Right. That just means you got through your heart attack best way you could, right? So solution number one, yeah, we obviously social media is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. We've got to figure out a way to to use it in a, in a much more smarter way, which means, Ariva, folks like yourself, folks like Dr. Stewart, folks like myself, right? We have, we have to be vigilant about staying visible, right? There's, the only way to combat the noise and combat the chatter is to produce another chamber, right? So we've so got Let me ask you this real quickly, Dr. Ish, because it brings to mind a thought. Tyler Perry, did you see Tyler Perry? I don't know who he was doing an interview with, but he was talking about a quality man. And his point was, if a black woman meets a man that makes less money, but he's a good guy, he loves her, he, you know, he's going to protect her and, you know, nurture the relationship, be faithful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that a black woman needs to, you know, run to that guy, swoop him up, and make him her permanent mate. Did you hear Tyler say that? And the question, the reason I ask this is because we're talking about not listening to the clowns, you know, who, who have no expertise. But what about celebrities like Tyler Perry? He's not a relationship expert. Uh, Steve Harvey, again, you know, self, uh, you know, made, adorned expert. So a lot of women didn't like what Tyler Perry had to say. There was a lot of backlash on social when Tyler Perry said that. So what about folks like him that jump into the fray and start giving black women? And they were like, Tyler Perry, thank you. Make some movies, but don't try to give black women advice. So that was <laughs> that was a response to Tyler Perry trying to give black women some advice. So, so what's your take on that? It's, it's hard, right? And Dr. Stewart, you, you can jump in on this. It's hard when we're using our personal experience to, to help a, a broad group of folks because 
everybody wasn't trained to take into account all of everybody else's trauma and their life events and their disappointments, right? And, and, and understand all these different perspectives. So I understand where Tyler was coming from, right? But what Tyler also has got to understand is 90% of the decisions that people make in life are based on what we think our peer group is going to approve on and co-sign on, right? So if your friends, your family, your coworkers aren't going to co-sign on the UPS driver, you ain't going to date him. Period. End of. That's just You right. might creep with him. You might creep <laughs> with him. <laughs> what what they call that a river? Your sneaky link? That's your sneaky link. But, but right? you're not going to bring them out in the daylight. Yeah. And guess what? Gonna. And you know what? It's so interesting that you say that. I have a girlfriend, high-powered, right? executive, big sports team, and uh-huh. she gets so much grief about this guy that she's dating because he doesn't fit the profile. Right. But she's hanging in there. She loves him. She, she says he takes good care of her. But you're right. The, the sorority is not having right. it. And they are on her butt like white on rice. He wasn't there for you. And did he give you roses and blah, 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 right. blah, blah. Right. They're not, they're not going to co-sign on that. And Ariva, and Ariva, not to, and I'm going I'm to I'm shut up real quick. Think about him. Mm. It doesn't occur in a vacuum. If that's how she's acting, that's what he's feeling. And that's what he's swallowing every day when he shows up and he tries to make this woman happy. The thought in his mind is eventually going to be, well, maybe who I am isn't enough for her. Right. And that's where the resentment comes into play. That's where the lack of empathy comes into play. So we've got to hold the space for these brothers to have that conversation. So, 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 you know, I, I'm teaching the course Black Love right now, which is what led me to write the book in the first place. One of my students said, um, I want to marry someone, a Black man who makes more money than I do. And she said, and I don't want to marry someone who makes more because I care, but it's because I know he will care. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, that's the other thing that these kinds of, advice, um, you know, sessions don't take into consideration. When I talk about the book or I do, you know, events on the book, I often get this question and I never give an answer. I say, look, I am not policing people's relationships and I am not giving that kind of quote unquote relationship advice. There are too many factors that go into what a couple needs to survive and thrive. Um, what is happening between these two personalities that are coming together, the traumas, the background, how people were raised. We can't just talk about one factor, how much money the person makes or what level of education and think that we can make some sort of prescription for everyone. Every situation is different. So I'm always very leery about just making those kinds of pronouncements. I will never And I would imagine that now. Both up and down. The pronouncements that you should date, quote unquote, up or quote unquote, down. I am not. I just for me, there are too many other factors that come into play about how I grew up in a household where my father did all the things that a traditional man does and all the things that a traditional woman does because my mother worked a lot. My father worked one job and my mom had like usually three and he had no issue with it. None. So I grew up in a very liberated household. So I'm very accustomed to that. And it, it's uncomfortable with that. So it really matters on who these two people are coming together. So yeah, I'm very leery about those kinds of, you know, prescriptions. All right. I've got 30 seconds, Dr. Ish. You are an expert. Give us a 30 second sound bite on this issue to wrap us up. 
If your woman has to meet a set of conditions in order for you to protect her, then you are both losing. She gets hurt and you get to be the person who helped her get hurt, right? So in order, here's what it means to be a man. You replace your conditions with standards. Your standard has to be, I'm going to protect my woman regardless. It doesn't matter. There's no set of criteria she needs to make in order for that to happen. That is me feeling good about who I am because I have personal integrity. And that is the standard that I'm going to set for me and yourself when you are in my presence. Now we're holding safe spaces for each other. And it's got to it's got to start internally before we look out to the world. All right. So well put. Oh, we are out of time and we need about five more hours times 200 to finish this conversation. Thank you so much, Dr. Seward. Always a pleasure to see you. Great to see you, my friend, Dr. Ish. We are going to continue this conversation because Brickgate ain't over.